once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our guest author, a familiar face, Father Cedric Pesenia, CP. The book, The Sacred Quest, published by the Passionist Publications. And it's available naturally through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com. All things Catholic, great to be with you. I think it's Good number five yeah. what we were talking about before the show. With you. So it's great to be with you as well. Now, this is a book that's uh, kind of being updated as we speak, right? So, right. Uh, so you've had two updates with this. The Sacred Quest is about praying. Has prayer changed that much in just a couple of years or what? <laughs> Actually, I try to keep it relevant with today, post-pandemic. I want to make sure that I have all my facts and figures right, population of the earth. But prayer is something that we need to talk about because the reason why I'm doing the revisions on the books is because it's been so popular. People are buying it because they want to know how to pray. Right. Remember the apostles came up to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And this book will teach right. you how to pray. Now in this book you talk about, I think, your own experiences during the pandemic without jumping ahead and other people. So do you think there was a period of time where people found more time to pray? And have you seen that continuing? Well, I think during the pandemic itself, people weren't really going to church. So they made little chapels in their own home and they were watching EWTN on television and praying in their own home. So it became more of an individualized mm -hmm. type thing. but. Prayer is more than just the individual, it's right. community too. It's a both and. So I talk about that in the book. Now, you talk about a quest as, as being the pursuit of something and definition as a long and arduous search, you know, for seeking a quest we grow, develop, mature, and become. Now, one of the things that you have, most people are, don't like these things that are long and arduous. Uh, they like quick and over quickly and successful. The other thing is, and I think you deal with it a little later in the book, but I always thought, you know, the hound of heaven was seeking us. But so why are we seeking God if he's already looking for us? Well, seeking God is a gift from God. He gives us that gift first. Prayer is a gift. Mm -hmm. But God is the hound of heaven. One Jewish rabbi said one time, the unique teaching about Jesus is that we have a God who searches for us. Mm -hmm. Jesus told us, seek and you will find. So it's a both and. God is searching for us. We need to be searching for God. So have you ever fastened yourself as a latter-day Indiana Jones in any way in, <laughs> in searching for God, like searching for the, uh, for the Ark of the Covenant? It is a pilgrimage. It is a quest. It is a, a search that we are in it for the long haul. You talked about long yeah. and arduous. Let me put it to you this way. There are seasons in our life. We go up and we go down. There's consolation, there's desolation. If you're in a season mm -hmm. of desolation, don't give up. I mean, that's when you have to, your faith is being stretched. That's when you have to hang in there, you have to persevere. And then during the consolation times, don't think that that's always gonna last. That reminds me of the apostles when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Right. Lord, it's good for us to be here. And little did they know at the bottom of the mountain, they were gonna face a possessed boy. So there are ups and there are downs in the spiritual life. And we have to understand that we have seasons and it's mm -hmm. our entire life. It's a journey. You can't just judge your life of prayer on today. There's a context and I talk about that in this book. We have a history with God. We have mm -hmm. a whole context and we have to look at the context as well as today. Now you talk about NASA in here and about the Voyagers 1 and 2 and you say one scientist said these spacecrafts have the energy and thrust to keep going away from the Earth long after our planet ceases to exist. Their quest will seemingly go on endlessly. 
And you say, just as our pursuit isn't for an ark representing God, but for God himself, we can also say that our quest isn't just for knowledge about the universe, but for knowledge of the one who created the universe. Right. I talk about the Voyager because the two Voyager spacecrafts are going not on the same exact path, but they're going outwards looking for signs of life or whatever, looking for knowledge. Mm -hmm. We're on a quest. We're pursuing not just knowledge, but the person of God. And that's really important. Knowledge is one thing, but it's knowledge mm -hmm. of God, intimacy with God. So we're on that pursuit, we're on that journey, and it never ends. Even in heaven, I believe, right. we will still be learning, we'll still be growing. Mm -hmm. We won't be perfect, we're still on the way, even in heaven. Mm -hmm. Now, Billy Graham, you quote here, and he talks mm -hmm. about cosmic loneliness. And I was thinking, it seems especially today that we're experiencing that, especially young people, no? Well, the pandemic brought a lot of people in touch with their loneliness, mm -hmm. their isolation. Young people, you're right, because they're so social media oriented, they're not really investing in relationships in the family or with their friends. The cosmic loneliness is that emptiness, that pain we feel in our hearts because we know that there's something more. Mm -hmm. But as I state in the book, that, that is something called hunger and mm -hmm. thirst that can drive us and motivate us to search for God even more. So in some ways, that hunger and thirst can be helpful in that search. And you even talk about, even from a, a scriptural perspective, you know, fasting and things like that, right? Right. One of the, uh, as a spiritual director, one of the signs I look for, a telltale sign, is that a person is feeling some kind of desire or hunger or thirst for God, I think that's good. It, you can describe it as a, an emptiness. And let me mm. throw out the word desert. People tell me a lot of times, Father, I feel like I'm in a desert. Nothing seems to be happening. I feel dry. Well, let me say that mm -hmm. in the desert, that's where God appeared to the Hebrews. That was the place of revelation. Yes, it was a time of dryness, but it was a place of revelation, guidance, and manifestation of God. The desert is not necessarily a bad place to be. It is where Jesus went for 40 days where he communed with God. Do you think in a sense because there's less distractions there and you're a little more focused? I remember when I studied in Israel, we went to the place of uh, the manifestation of Jesus in the desert mm -hmm. and it was the Mount of Temptation. There were no cell phones, there, were no, there was no traffic, mm -hmm. there was no social media, all the distractions were gone. Mm -hmm. And it was a place to really seek God and commune with God. There was a lot of quiet too. And I talk a lot about silence and the, and the virtue of quiet, how important that is in the prayer life. Yeah, later in the book you talk about deciding you wanted to check the weather on the TV or something and then uh, you felt like, no, it's nice was, and quiet here, That was right? on a Sunday morning. Okay. And I was giving a parish mission and there was probably about five masses ahead of me. And my instinct was when you wake up in the morning, <clears throat> wanted to check the weather, check out the news. And I heard this inner voice that said, Cedric, no, mm -hmm. you have to focus, you have to concentrate, you have a lot ahead of you today. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I took that as the voice of God, and now whenever I'm on a parish mission on a Sunday morning, I never look at TV. Mm -hmm. I focus, because preaching is a very important event. Right. Now, uh, the Magi <clears throat> and you, a star of disquiet, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. What are those, how do those all relate to you? Well, when I was 19 years old, I was searching in the Bible because I had that cosmic loneliness. Mm -hmm. I had that emptiness. And my catechism teachers had told us that 
truth was to be found in the Bible. So I went to the Gospel of Matthew where all the red letters were where Jesus spoke right. and I came upon Matthew 7, 7 and I'm 19 years old. Didn't really know what was in the scriptures and I read that Matthew 7, 7, knock and the door will be opened, seek and you will find, ask and you shall receive. That's what the Magi were doing. They were searchers. They were seeking for the King of Israel. They were looking and they were on a journey and we are too. Long story short, because I read that scripture, mm. God was speaking to me through the Bible, it changed my life, right. revolutionized my life. And that's why I talk a lot about the scriptures in this book right, exactly. as well as other books. Right, you talk about God's thirst. We must also realize then that prayer, whatever form it takes, is our response to the inner movement of God in us. You say once we come into relationship with God, our hunger shifts. How does it shift? Well, the hunger shifts from searching for God mm -hmm. to wanting to know God more deeply. At first, our hunger leads us toward a search for God. Then we start to find there can be manifestations of grace and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And once we taste, taste and see the goodness of the Lord, we want more. Mm -hmm. We want more and more and more. And that's right. the prayer life. You say, our quest can bring us great happiness on earth. I found I'm, I am most happy in my God pursuit, but we will never be completely happy during this earthly pilgrimage. Do you think some people say, well, if that's the case, why bother? That could be, but I, I try to tell people, I wrote a book about happiness. Maybe we'll do that mm -hmm. one next, but I wrote a book about happiness. And what I say, I, I don't want people to be under any illusions that you can be 100% completely happy here on earth mm -hmm. because our hearts were made for heaven. Our hearts were made for the beatific vision. And we can attain some degree of happiness here on earth. Mm -hmm. And as you follow Jesus, a large degree of happiness. But the bottom line is, is our hearts were made for God and for heaven. And we're never gonna be completely 100% happy. And people need to understand that because I think they come to Christianity, to Jesus thinking, why aren't I completely happy? What's wrong with me? Well, nothing's right. wrong with you. Right. And that drive, there's a meter within us, a happiness meter, that drive, because we're not happy, that drive for greater happiness actually can help us to get closer to God. Or it can lead us in other the directions other way, sometimes. Yeah, toward addictions and Exactly, like that. which you talk about as well with AA in, in the book later on. Uh, you say, as busy as I am, I have to keep reminding myself, my number one priority is my relationship with God. People would say, well, if it's tough for a priest, what's it like for a layperson? How am I supposed to do that? Well, that's the thing. You have to prioritize. You have to keep telling yourself. You have to make goals. What is my number one priority? Mm -hmm. As a religious priest, and that's one of the reasons why I became a religious, I'm a passionist, I wanted to become a religious because I wanted to have a life of prayer. Mm -hmm. Now, my life is invested in ministry, mm -hmm. whether it be broadcasting, writing, preaching. And a lot of times I invest my time into that, and that's good, but I must make prayer my priority. And I do that in community. We pray mass. We pray the liturgy of the hours. We pray together. Mm -hmm. But it's my prayer time alone that's very important that I have to prioritize, right. and I do prioritize that because that's my number one goal. And for lay people, it has to be the same thing because it's so easy. I talk about abiding in Jesus in this book. Right, it's one of the you, chapters. You right. abide on the vine and you bear much fruit. And it's so easy to abide in the world instead of in Jesus because we're assaulted, our senses, our senses are assaulted by all these different things. And what we need to do is pull back a little bit, get silent, pray, and get connected well, I like this. You, I, I say, 
here in the book. I hope you realize what our world is going through is an opportunity to go from the superficial to the supernatural. It seems like in many cases over the years we've gone from the supernatural to the superficial. But. Yeah, we go the other way. Right. I've found out in my life it's easy to live a surface life. Right. You, know, you get invested in things and in the world and in your activities and in work. And all those are good. Most of those are good and they can lead to fruitfulness. But we have to go, I've had these transcendent moments, mm -hmm. these moments of grace, these manifestations of God and the Holy Spirit. We have to go beyond the superficial to the supernatural. Mm -hmm. This is something that Jesus was trying to impress upon the apostles that there's more. And he was teaching right. them about that. And they were kind of hard-headed and they didn't really get it. Here it seems we go from one superficial experience to another superficial experience. So we got to get on the right track here. When it comes to prayer, every place is a 5G hotspot. <laughs> okay. Well, what I like to say about prayer is that it doesn't cost any money. You don't have to, you don't have to be connected in terms of the internet. God is omnipresent. We can have an audience with God everywhere, anytime, any person. And what is prayer? It's getting connected with God, simply getting connected. You can use words if you want. You can come to God in silence. You can communicate with God telepathically. There are many ways to mm -hmm. pray, but the bottom line is, is that we always have an audience with Almighty God anytime, anywhere, mm -hmm. any person. Now, uh, are you an ac acoustic prayer or something? Uh, I know James Taylor Im impacted you in a way. Well, what I say about James Taylor is one time I went to a concert in Springfield, Massachusetts. I love James Taylor. I love his voice. I love his music. It's very mm -hmm. meditative. And it was just him and an acoustic guitar. There was mm -hmm. no band. And in some ways, prayer is like that. You mm -hmm. don't have to have a choir and a lot of people and all this noise and hoopla. Mm -hmm. You can unplugged, go to your closet and pray, and it can be very powerful. Is that why you say I've noticed people like to complicate prayer? They do complicate prayer. They, they think there's so many methods and all these different things and they're confused about how to do it. In this book, I talk about practical ways to pray. There are different methods, but they're not complicated. Very simple. Mm -hmm. I, I like to say somebody from eight to 80 can pray. Children can pray, it's natural, it's like breathing. Mm -hmm. Now you, you, you talk about the idea Jesus was concerned that we that we would pray to be noticed, and that's why you reference, in a sense, to the closet. At the same time, we're supposed to let our light shine. How do we balance those? We have that reading on Ash Wednesday, where Jesus says, don't pray or give alms or fast in order to be seen. Mm -hmm. I've been to Jerusalem. I studied in Jerusalem. Of course, there's the Wailing Wall. That's the wall that's left over from the Temple of Herod. and. Many Jews, and this is nothing against the Jews, but many Jewish people will be there and the, mm. the heads will be back and forth and they're inserting things into the wall. And that's one thing to pray in public, but I've found that some of the deepest prayers that I pray are when I'm alone. Mm -hmm. uh, I love praying in community and I lead. I'm a leader of prayer. I can lead a thousand people at one time as a presider of prayer. Mm. It can be powerful, but when I'm alone, I take off the masks and it's sincere, it's honest, it's my heart, my mm -hmm. authentic me and God. Right. And I'm not trying to impress anybody else. And that's what I think God wants. He wants sincerity, He wants authenticity. Right. 
He wants the real you. Wow. And he doesn't want you to make up all this theological language and all the things that you should say and all those repetitive prayers, although some of them can help. He wants you. Right. He wants your heart. I think it's what, what young people want too, authenticity, as you just said. You say, when I teach about prayer, I like to use the image of a baby being born. A baby being born is connected, mm -hmm. connected by an umbilical cord that brings nutrients and moisture to the baby, vitamins to the baby. And in the same way, we ought to see prayer as something that connects us to God. Jesus said, unless you abide in me, you will not bear fruit. Mm -hmm. He was talking about a branch on the vine and that branch is connected and the sap flows into the branch so that it can bear fruit. And I talk about what fruitfulness is. Number mm -hmm. one, fruitfulness is your relationship with God. Number two, fruitfulness is your integrity, your moral virtue. Number three, fruitfulness is being productive and professionally becoming all that you can be, reaching out to people. But number one, it's your connection to God and having some type of a flow. Right. This book, I read this book, Doug, uh, before this interview, sure. and I'm telling you, it led me to deep prayer. And I wrote the book, but I'm, I want to help people as a Catholic priest. I want you to have a fruitful, connected prayer life. Well, yeah, and you talk about the idea with, with those three you were just talking about, that uh, people get confused over thinking life is all about being quote unquote successful. And you say, who you are is God's gift to you. Who mm -hmm. you become is your gift to God. Yes, I found that quote years ago, and mm -hmm. I, that's the foundation of my ministry. Who you are, who we are, is God's gift to us. I mean, mm -hmm. we've been born, we've been blessed, but who we become, life, Doug, is all about becoming. Mm -hmm. And what I will describe becoming is your relationship with God, a growing relationship, intimacy, depth, mm -hmm. becoming who you are authentically meant to be, being a moral person, person of integrity, and then becoming, I call it living with passion, putting energy into your life, reaching out to people, developing your talents, your creativity, mm -hmm. who you are is God's gift to you, but who you become, and we're gonna be judged on who we became. Mm -hmm. Now you say our culture teaches us to be self-reliant, Christianity teaches the mm -hmm. complete opposite in order to develop and live well, we must be God-reliant, grasping for control and not being able to attain it is one of life lessons alcoholics must accept, and I think any addictive personality or person with an addiction these days would probably need to understand. I have discovered that prayer, and this is why a lot of people don't want to do it, is because people rely upon themselves. They're self-made, they, they can do it, they think they have their own strength, but prayer is an act of humility. What you're doing is saying, God, I need you. This is something that alcoholics and other people that are addicted need to learn. Mm -hmm. They need to learn to rely upon God. The only way that you can come into recovery is the 11th step, conscious contact, they call it, those in the 12-step program. Mm -hmm. Conscious contact, that's the, 12th, the 11th step. Conscious contact with God, mm -hmm. that's what they call prayer. That, keeps, that brings you into recovery, keeps you in recovery. And that means victory, hopefully, mm -hmm. over your addiction. You, I wanna talk about trust just for a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the series that I'm airing on EWTN is about trust in God. What we have to do when we pray, number one, just to be able to pray is to trust God. Mm -hmm. But we have to grow in trust. That means relying upon God, leaning upon God, being confident in God, not just in mm -hmm. yourself. Now, I'm not saying that we aren't good and that we can have confidence in ourselves. It's a both and. 
God gifts us. He gives us talents and abilities. And yes, we need to rely upon ourselves and whatever God has, God has put his DNA in us. Mm -hmm. But most of all, we are nothing without God. I, I quote James that said, what are we? We're a mist. Mm -hmm. we're, we're here today, gone tomorrow. We must trust in God. You said, always remember, never forget. You're never, never, ever alone. God lives in you and you mm -hmm. are the shrine, the temple of God, uh, which is one of the reasons obviously you can pray at any time. You also said that the disconnect in my life came home to me once when I was playing golf. <laughs> now, I would have thought there's a lot of prayers being lifted up on golf courses. <laughs> God's so, name uh, is being taken on the golf okay, course, I okay. can tell I you that. Wondering that. Uh, <laughs> well, let me, let me say, Paul the Apostle went to Corinth and he said, don't you know you're the temple of God? He was telling them because I think a lot of people don't understand that God lives in them. And when I talked about that golf game, I was like on the 15th hole, there's 18 holes in golf. I'm on the 15th hole, all of a sudden that came into my mind, God is here. Mm -hmm. And I'm Cedric, you're a Catholic priest, you've played 15 holes, you haven't even thought about God. See, what happens is we get immersed in our circumstances, we get immersed in our, our surroundings, for me it was the golf game, and we forget God. Mm -hmm. It was Rabbi Heschel that said, sin, the beginning of sin is forgetting God. And I think that's what we do. And I think the beginning of prayer is remembering God. And remembering is part and parcel to us as Catholics because that's what we do at Eucharist. We remember right. God, we give thanks. I spend a lot of time in the book talking about various prayer forms. Right. One of the, ver one of the beautiful prayer forms that I've learned that I know that flows from my heart is thanksgiving, right. Eucharist. Another one, praise, praying for people, right. interceding, petitions, liturgical prayer. So, and I go through all of these in, in a very practical way in right, this book absolutely, right. to try to help people in various forms. I discovered one time that different personalities pray in different ways. Some people are introverted and they like quiet. Other people are extroverted. They like to have a lot of praise and petition. They like to pray with people, more of a charismatic type thing. Mm -hmm. You can't really force a different personality type on someone. That's why I go through all kinds of different forms because I want you to find the forms that work for you. Right. I don't think the church is trying to impose a different form on you. They want you to pray the best that you can. Right. So prayer then is not so much getting religion or even developing some form of spirituality. True prayer is discovering your roots and sources. And you also make this point that fits with that. That being said, God wants us to learn from the community without sacrificing our unique way. Right. I talk about our unique way in this book. We are all individuals. We're all communitarian and we're all similar. As uh, I think it was John Donne that said, we're not islands unto ourselves, we're right. part of the continent. But it was, it was St. Teresa that had her little way. Mm -hmm. She was very unique. And she said in prayer, we all ought to develop our own unique style, our own unique relationship with God, our own unique little way. Mm -hmm. And our little way has to do with our own personality, our own likes, our own dislikes, our own personality makeup. And I'm really big on this because as a religious priest, I've been conformed, I've been formed. There's conformity and that's good. That's mm -hmm. part of Catholicism. But we can't lose our own distinctness and our own individuality because in a way that's why God graces us. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be our own self. He wants us to come to him as we are, just as we are. 
and bring all that we are to him. And I make a statement in this book that I really want to bring out. Thank you for saying that. But nobody can love God like you mm -hmm. or me in our own individual way. Nobody that's come before us can ever love God like we can. And I think what Jesus is trying to do is to help us to, to really energize us to be a great lover of God. I go through the Song of Solomon, for example, and I talk about some of the girlfriends that I've had in the past, my parents and my friends. I, I list three different types of people who have all taught me how to receive love and to give love, my parents in one way, friends in one way, and girlfriends in another way. And God is all that. What God was teaching me through friends, parents, and girlfriends was how to love and how to receive love. And God is so much more than that because God, of course, is passionate love. Song of Songs talks about the intimacy that God wants from us. Jesus talks about friendship. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is intimate. God is our Father. So it's all that and more. Right, and as, you, as we finish up, the voice of God is usually very personal. While God speaks to us all, it's always particular to you as well as your needs and circumstances. Uh, one of the things you also talk about here just before we go is you talk about different uh, ways to pray, but you also talk about standing or kneeling or sitting. Posture. If it's all <laughs> spiritual, why, why are the physical gestures important in your mind? This is very Catholic. That's a Catholic question because we're body people. We are incarnate. Right. We are spiritual people, but we're very body people. Paul of the Cross, the founder of the Passionist, wanted us to be comfortable. He said you can focus and concentrate on God more when you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. Now there's a time to kneel, there's a time to lay prostrate, there's a time to stand, mm -hmm. and I talk about it in the book, but get comfortable. The main thing is, is that we focus and concentrate and connect with God using our body. I talk about the Oran's position in presiding, mm -hmm. and it's also the receiving position. It's a position of prayer, very important in charismatic circles. and. Mm -hmm. As people of prayer, you can go like this, you can kneel, however right. you want to do it. It's important that we right. stay connected and focus on God and be comfortable. Absolutely, and people will be comfortable with this book. Uh, thank you so much, Father. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure to talk Great to you about the sacred quest, Father Cedric Pesenia, CP, author, and available, of course, this book through our EWTN Religious Catalog. EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic. Check it out. We need more prayer today than ever before. We'll see you next time right here on Bookmark.